All right, all you baseball fans, Nephew's Pod, Meg, Sweet Baby J, Juani B, back with you sooner than usual. We couldn't let the Mets news go any longer without talking about it. So if you've been living under a rock and you did not hear about the gigantic, enormous, world-shaking news that the Mets made last week, I'll tell you all about it. Last Thursday, the Mets sent Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, and prospects Josh Wolf and Isaiah Green to the Cleveland baseball franchise for shortstop Francisco Lindor and right-hand pitcher Carlos Carrasco. Let's go! You've got to be kidding go. me. Oh, Let's go. Oh, my goodness. Guys, this is the biggest trade for the Mets since Mike Piazza 22 years ago. Absolutely. Let's describe who Francisco Lindor is. His nickname's Mr. Smile. He's a 27-year-old switch-hitting shortstop who has been an absolute stud since entering the league in 2016 with both the bat and the glove. In his rookie year in 2016, he finished second in Rookie of the Year voting, barely losing out to Carlos Correa. He's won awards every year since, winning Silver Sluggers in 2018 and 2019, Gold Gloves in 2017 and 2019, Oh, and the years that he didn't win, he came in second. So if it weren't for Angelton Simmons and Xander Bogarts, two other shortstops, he would have four consecutive silver sluggers and four consecutive gold gloves. So to recap, Francisco Lindor has been the best or second best shortstop in the American League in offense and defense for four consecutive years. 2020 was a down year for Francisco, but that just makes him more like us. Listen, some things about the 2020 season count, individual down years certainly do not. Plenty of players will hit a little bit below their average stats for a year in a 60-game stretch. It's not unusual at all. He's not a good player. He's not a great player. He's not even a star player. He's a superstar player. He's a superstar shortstop still in his prime. He plays almost every day, and he averages 30 homers a year, 83 ribbies, and he was a 284 hitter. Yeah, he's a monster. We've been talking for the last couple of episodes. How do you build a championship club? You build it through the middle. Catcher, shortstop, second base, center field, and obviously the pitching is independent of that. And the Mets address that. For the 2021 club, where do you put him in? Do you have him bat first, second, third, and how do you construct the lineup? He, in his career, has hit out of the leadoff, the second, and the third hole mostly, but since the middle of 2017, he has almost exclusively batted leadoff. Batting a power bat out of the leadoff spot is all the rage, and the success of players like Mookie Betts, George Springer, and Lindor have changed the game. Now, those guys all play in the AL, so they all benefit from the DH, and you don't have to bat the pitcher ninth. If there is no DH in the NL, which we still don't know, you likely are going to have to bat the pitcher ninth. Why are you going to bat him leadoff if the pitcher is right in front of him? You're just taking RBI opportunities from him. I think you bat him lower in the lineup. I think you bat him three. But this is another reason that we need to know whether or not there's going to be a DH in the NL next year. Yeah, can we talk about how crazy that is for a minute that we're going into a season where we don't know what the rules are going to be? It's pretty wild. Crazy times we live in. I I think it's a safe bet to make that the DH will be coming to the National League on a permanent basis starting next year. If we have a DH, we still don't have a bona fide center fielder. So if we don't sign George Springer, frankly, I still think that Lindor drops down to three in the lineup. Because any center fielder that's a free agent right now, not named George Springer, is an eight hitter anyway. Kevin Pillar is the best option for the Mets. If they're going to sign an outfielder, he's got to be right-handed. So here's my lineup if Lindor bats leadoff. Against a righty or a lefty. Game one of the playoffs. Game one of the playoffs, exactly. Here's another thing. I know that you're supposed to go left, right, left, right, but a big part of that was so you could force managers' hands in late-game situations, and that doesn't matter anymore because of the three-batter minimum. There's that, and also, just to give you some insight going back to the Yankees, their lineup is right, 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 switch hitter, 
Right, right, right. Exactly. If I'm going to discount righty or lefty, if they bat from the right or the left-hand side of the plate, because I think you can, then it's Lindor switch hitter leading off, McNeil lefty, Conforto lefty, Alonzo righty, because I'm sorry, Conforto's a three-hitter, Alonzo is not. Alonzo's a cleanup hitter. Agreed. So Conforto's a three-hitter, Alonzo cleaning up right-handed, Dom Smith in left, batting left-handed in the five-hole, J.D. Davis righty, third base, Brandon Nimmo center field, I guess, lefty in the seven hole, James McCann righty in the eight hole, and your pitcher, Jacob DeGrom. What would that do to the Mets lineup if they picked up D.J. LeMahieu? It doesn't make any sense for them to pick up D.J. LeMahieu, and here's why. It makes why. a little bit of sense. Offensively, sure. Defensively, it makes zero sense. Disagree. That nah, makes a little bit of sense. Well, let me explain why it doesn't make any sense. The thing that has driven me crazy, and listen, Sandy loves doing this, and the Mets have been doing this for the past 15 years, hiding guys in left field. Stop hiding guys in the outfield. So if DJ LeMayhew comes on, Jeff McNeil is going to be your starting third baseman, I guess? I think LeMayhew would play more third. He would play third, correct. Okay, so you leave McNeil at second, you have LeMayhew at third, and then you what? You platoon Smith and Davis in left? Lefty and righty, and then you would dress center field with either Jackie Bradley Jr., Kevin Pillar, or Jake Marisnik. Nimmo's in a platoon now, too. You can say goodbye to Brendan Nimmo. These are three everyday players. And we're also discounting the fact that the DH is not in this theoretical scenario, and I would be willing to bet money that you're going to have a DH next year. The thing is, we're super left-handed. So I guess lineup construction-wise, I see what you mean when you say LeMahieu as a top-of-the-order right-handed bat makes a lot of sense. Okay, okay. Changes the whole dynamic. All right, well, here's the lineup with Lindor batting third and no DH. Nimmo, McNeil, Lindor, Conforto, Alonzo, Smith and left, Davis, McCann, pitching spot. That's against a righty only. No, that's true. So what do you do against a lefty? You drop Nimmo down, you lead off McNeil. You have three leadoff hitters. You lead off Lindor against a lefty? Jeff McNeil should be leading off for this team. I completely disagree. He's a two-hitter. Could you imagine him in the two-hole with Francisco Lindor hitting behind him? I like McNeil in the one-hole. Tough at bat, takes a lot of pitches, does draw walks on top of hitting for average. I mean, he's an excellent batter. And keeping him at the top, Lindor can bat right-handed. That one-two gives the rest of a lineup better flexibility. Brandon Nimmo is an on-base machine. And if we sign a center fielder, he's got a very specific role on this team. It's leadoff, it's left field. Here's Brandon Nimmo's on-base percentages since 2017. 379, 404, 375, 404. He gets on base. He definitely does. I like Nimmo, don't get me wrong, but with my thinking that the Mets really are going to sign a center fielder, the bat options in left field are just that much better with Dominic Smith and J.D. Davis if he's platooning out there, that Nimmo is going to get pushed. One last lineup construction. If they do sign Springer, you want to have some fun? Yeah, go ahead. Lay it on me. Lindor leads off. Switch hitting. Second base, McNeil. Left-handed. Center field, Springer. Righty. Alonzo. Righty. First base slash DH. Oh, this is with a DH, too. Out of the five holes, Conforto in right. Out of the six hole is Smith. Seven hole, Davis. Eight hole, McCann. Nine hole, Nimmo. Inject that lineup into my veins. I kind of like... Springer, Lindor, Conforto, or you flip them. What if you go like McNeil, Lindor, Springer, Conforto, Alonzo, Dominic Smith? Uh, Nimmo or Davis, Nimmo, McCann. Yeah. 
You're probably going to put Nimmo 9. Yeah, you're going to put Nimmo 9 for sure. However you put the lineup, this is an unbelievable trade. Not only do we add one of the best, if not the best shortstop in baseball, but we also get starter Carlos Carrasco, who's better than any free agent starting pitcher this year other than Trevor Bauer. So now sending Rosario and Jimenez to the Indians won't hurt as Lindor is our shortstop and hopefully for years to come. And we'll get to that in just a moment. The prospects Green and Wolf are 19 and 20 years old respectively. They're talented but very young and unproven. Because we got Carrasco, that's what makes this an absolute home run. Lindor only has one year of control. Carrasco has three years of control. It still is a far, far better trade if the Mets are able to work out an extension with Francisco Lindor. This trade is about Francisco Lindor. It's going to be imperative on the Mets to explore that opportunity. Now, they're first in, so this is going to give them a leg up on on their leverage. Do they get him signed to an extension prior to the season? I don't foresee it. It makes it interesting. Is this a one-year deal, or is this going to be the beginning of a decade-long tenure with the Mets? I think you trade for Lindor with the thought that you're going to do everything you can to sign him. He did get introduced via Zoom press conference this morning. Again, I should note, but this is Monday, January 11th that we're talking. Reporters did press him on the idea of a contract extension, and he did say a couple things about that. He said he was open to it, that he's always been open to sign long-term, that they tried to get it done in Cleveland and just couldn't meet in the middle. And Cleveland's president of baseball operations has said the same thing. So it didn't sound like it was acrimonious there. The other thing that he said of note is that he was willing to negotiate, but only up until a certain point in spring training. And that when the season starts, that's the time to win. As he said, that's the winning time. I agree with Jordan. I think that if you do this trade, you have to do it with an idea of what a Francisco Lindor extension will have to look like. And just to put some numbers out there, I think we're looking at 10 years and $300 million as a base. Look at Manny Machado's contract. You start there. Yeah, I mean, if he comes here and he loves it, hopefully he signs for for 30 and 10 or whatever. I pay him. The Mets know this. They know that that's what he's looking for. And I'm sure if they weren't willing to pay it, they wouldn't be going down this avenue. Let's see if they can get it done. 10 and 300 is what it's going to take. I think everybody in baseball knows that. He's 27. That's the other crazy thing. When Jordan and I were going through all the free agents that were out there, they're all 30 and 31. Lindor's 27. Oh, it's so great. There's an opportunity before them, and they have to capitalize. I mean, I think if he comes here and sees how excited the Mets fans are, he's going to love it. It's New York, man. How are you not going to love it here? All you got to do is win. You're going to get showered in affection. Sonny Gray didn't. Sonny Gray. He, well, he didn't win. Kenny Rogers. What are we talking about? It's Francisco Lindor. He's one of the top five players in baseball. This isn't Kenny Rogers. It's true. How many players would you want on your team rather than Francisco Lindor? There's not more than 10 that you could even make an argument for. Especially position players. There's not more than 10. Plenty of thoughts out there that the Mets fleeced Cleveland on the deal. The only reason they got a decent return, and they did get a decent return. Andres Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario are proven major leaguers. They're both going to start at shortstop and second base next year for Cleveland. They traded Francisco Lindor, which sucked, but that was always going to happen, and they got a middle infield. The only reason they were able to do that was because of including Carrasco. Yeah, I mean, the Carrasco end, I mean, that fills a huge need for the Mets as well. It's dwarfed in how exciting it is compared to Lindor because Carrasco's not a superstar player, but he's a legitimate number two starting pitcher, and when he's pitching well, he's an ace. Let's take a look at that rotation. You got DeGrom at the top. Your number two starter is probably going to be Carrasco. Number three is Stroman. Who's four and five that are going to plug in here? 
You have question marks after that. But number four is David Peterson. He had a really nice rookie campaign in 2020, but the Mets aren't done there. They definitely need to add at least another pitcher or two because if they don't add another starter, then you're looking at having to slot Seth Lugo or Steven Matz into the five hole, and neither of those are ideal. Still some work to do here, even after these uh, these huge acquisitions. There's a lot of guys that are still out there. And the other thing, this trade by adding Lindor knocks everybody down a peg in the lineup. And the same thing with Carrasco, where if you were looking for a three, now you're looking for a four. You're not going to have to rely on that guy for the same quality and volume that you would have had previously before this deal was made. You guys, you guys, I got it. I know who the Mets have to sign for their five hole. What do you got? Bartolo Colon is still in baseball shape. Get him. No, no, thank you. Get him. Get him now. Bartolo Colon, the legend. They certainly need depth, but let's talk a little bit about Carlos Carrasco immediately sliding into our number two spot behind Jake DeGrom. Carlos Carrasco is a 33-year-old right-handed starting pitcher who is 88-73 and 73 with a 377 ERA over his 11-year career. Now, while he has had significant injuries in his career, he is an excellent to elite starter when healthy. His career is sort of bookended by two injuries. He had Tommy John surgery in 2012, and he had a 2019 leukemia diagnosis. He got diagnosed with cancer right before the All-Star break of 2019, and phenomenally, he was back on the mound out of their bullpen at the end of 2019. He pitched in September of that year. Just unbelievable. Now, in between those years, he went 60-36 and 36 with a 3-4-0 ERA and 823 strikeouts compared to 166 walks in 722 innings. So an average season during his healthy period of his career, 15-9, 340, 200 strikeouts, and 180 innings per year. And with DeGrom in this rotation for the Mets, he doesn't have to come in and be an elite pitcher. And that's just amazing. His K per nine is over 10, including his down year when he had the leukemia diagnosis and his return last year as well. He came back. He looked sharp last year. Those three pitches that he throws, fastball, changeup, slider, they're all harder than league average. 94 to 95 miles an hour on his fastball, 87 to 88 on his changeup. That's not a big differential, but his changeup just sits down low in the zone, pins that hollow beneath the kneecap. And that 85 to 86 mile an hour slider is absolutely nasty. So the Mets with the biggest trade in 22 years, all due respect to the Cespedes trade and the Santana trade, we got one of the absolute faces of baseball in Francisco Lindor, Mr. Smile, and Carlos Carrasco, known as Cookie. We've got our number two starter behind Jake DeGrom, and it pushes Stroman to a three starter, which is perfect. It's exactly where he wants Stroman. And then if everything works out well with Noah Syndergaard's injury, you're coming back in the second half of this year. You're looking at DeGrom... Syndergaard, Carrasco, Stroman. Oh, it's so nasty. It's very strong. They're going to have to allocate some funds to filling out their 6th, 7th, and 8th starting pitchers. So still some questions to be had, but this trade just had me screaming in the car when I found out about it. Just screaming. This trade said, we're here, guys. If the McCann signing and the May signing, if that was the unofficial opening of the Steve Cohen era... This Francisco Lindor trade is absolutely the dawning of a new era of Mets baseball. I cannot be more excited about it. Listen, maybe I should start more podcast episodes with, ha there's no news, and then, uh, then the Mets will make blockbuster trades every week. Yeah, that's probably not a good thing to do.
my friends, we're going to be back with you in about a week's time. Next time we talk, we're probably going to talk a little bit more about the Lindor and Carrasco trade. We're going to go under the radar. We're going to have our friend George Maldarelli back to talk about the McGregor fight as promised. And we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame ballot. Hall of Fame voting will be announced at the end of January. We'll get a show in. We'll talk about the ballot, who we think should be in, and who we think should be out. That'll be next time, my friends. Until then, stay safe, stay good. Let's go, Mets. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.